This is Rivers to Resilience. The podcast where we educate, inspire, motivate and transform you and your teams on your journey to emotional resilience. We hear stories and advice from leaders and experts, allowing you to harness their wisdom with transformational, evidence-based strategies to building emotional resilience. Join accredited cognitive behavioural psychotherapist and author Martina Witter as she deep dives into all aspects of resilience building, whilst also helping you to crush stress and improve and retain your performance, productivity and profits. That's here on Rivers to Resilience. Hi, welcome to Rivers 2 Resilience Podcast. I'm so excited to have our guest, Dr. Lee Williams, with us this week. He is the co-founder of My Wellbeing Index and also a mental toughness coach. So what I'm going to do now is hand you over to Lee and let him tell you a little bit more about himself and what he does. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, um, so I'll probably give you a potted history of what I've done. Um, mm-hmm sort of break it into three so I probably spent my early career in in what I call the body space so uh background in physiology pharmacology life science sector sort of DNA RNA proteins type stuff and then I got out of that space uh did an MBA and that's when I did the business type stuff um and you know I've been a consultant for uh, over 20 years now, I feel old. Um, I, I got, I went into lockdown fairly young and I came out old. Um, <laughs> and, and, and probably since, uh, 2006, um, when I did my sort of DBA, um, in mental toughness, mm-hmm. um, I, I sort of finished off with the brain piece. So I sort of say I've got a body business brain type career path, mm-hmm. which, um, means that I, I tended, uh, historically, I worked in sort of customer type stuff and in the process space, so I've got a sort of Lean Six Sigma background as well. Mm-hmm. So I in badges and qualifications, I guess. Um, but but actually, what I really uh, enjoy are different experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and that plays into the resilience piece, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, what is resilience, Um and you know, some people would describe me as a, a resilient person, other people might not. It, it's contextual. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I spend my time as I think we talked about just before, and I have a sort of portfolio career. So mm-hmm. I have had a few real jobs. Uh, early career, I, I did have real jobs for six years. Mm-hmm. But since 1999, I've not really had a, a real job, as I would sort of say, or a a firm career. Mm-hmm. I have spent sort of four and a half years in a FTSE 100 business, and I have spent sort of three years as chief commercial officer in an aimlessly business. So I've had mm-hmm. that sort of other side of the fence experience, yeah. uh, but also worked as a, a management consultant mm-hmm. um, and spent quite a lot of time coaching people either in the consulting space in their businesses. Mm-hmm. Or professionally, I have a sort of what I would call a coaching style of leadership. I'm, I'm yeah. a tutorial. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's about developing people. I, I always see successes. Right? I've sort of been made redundant twice, and um, 
I, I saw those two great successes. Mm -hmm. I was able to develop people to the point where one, they didn't really need the role I was in. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the second one, um, you know, people were able to step up into the role I was in. You know, I was an expensive, mm -hmm. I generally am an expensive resource. So mm -hmm. people bring me in when, when there's a problem to fix. Right, okay. Once we sort of fixed it, it's sort of, we don't really need you anymore and you're expensive. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's great because I don't really want to stay either. Yeah, <laughs> you're moving on to the next project. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah. the longest I've ever spent in any business is four and a half years. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and to be honest, the first two years I was only there as a consultant anyway, so right, maybe really spent two and a half years in the yeah. job. But I'd say the world of work has changed. Now, I would say that's more common now than it was oh, like maybe uh, a decade or so back. It's uh, absolutely. I think yeah. we live in a very different world now. That you know, the generations that are coming through universities or graduating from school um, aren't looking to join a business to spend the rest of our life there. You mm -hmm. know, I, I I meet people who've worked in businesses for 30 or 40 years. My, my wife has employed as somebody in her business who remembers her being born. Um, it's yeah. a family business and she's gone to run it. Mm. You know, I, I just can't, I can't fathom that. But I think today people are probably more, you know, ironically more resilient and, and more accepting of change, mm -hmm. uh, actually are more adventurous, yeah, um, you know things like going traveling and things like that that you mm -hmm. know my parents didn't do those sorts mm -hmm. of things and it was just on the cusp perhaps when I was going to university some people did travel or traveled post university nowadays mm -hmm. you know people travel a hell of a lot more mm -hmm. and you're both physically and sort of um electronically in a way that sort yeah. of cyberspace type social media just the exposure to a lot mm -hmm. more things. Yeah. I think one creates a lot more adversity and challenge and pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but also on, on the back of that, exposes you to a lot more things that, you know, the internet didn't exist when I, you know, I think the internet, and my first exposure to the internet was at university, you know. Right. And my, my children are educated via the internet these days. Mm -hmm. Things like Haiti Maps, mm. they, they go on and look at YouTube videos, you know, lockdown, everyone was taught over computer screens. You know, mm -hmm. you imagine when I was at school and we locked down, it was like nothing would have happened. Yeah. You'd just been given some books. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, and that sort of ironically old school way of teaching was the way that some people got taught through lockdown mm. is that, you know, and my, my wife runs a book company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I remember going to business school in 99 and Amazon was starting to sort of bubble up and it was mm -hmm. one of those companies, the dot-com boom was exploding and, and then it exploding again in terms of it, it dying. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone's saying, oh, you know, the book industry's dead. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, it's not really been affected that much by Amazon. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, it... it did its thing in the book space and now yeah. it's doing it in other spaces. And yes, yeah. It's just a different channel for different people. Mm -hmm. And even Audible, you know, I I listen to, to books, but, you know, I, I've got a, a library here that's just, you know, I've got hundreds of books. Mm -hmm. I like books. I don't, I don't like listening to books. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so, yeah, you know, those are the things that I think are changing. Mm. Um, so how do how would you say that you know based on everything that you shared the, the change I guess in in the world in the way that we learn that that we work how would you say that 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 fits with resilience or you know does that suggest that resilience is a soft skill that's required more so in these times because I know we're we're living in this this VUCA world there's lots of kind of volatility. Yeah. certainty lots of ambiguity and that requires I would say that requires more of us as individuals and like you were sharing about you know the lockdown and you know students being taught mm. online how, how would you say that links with resilience and I'd love to hear from your perspective how would you describe resilience so I think um as a sort of physiologist and, and psychologist and sort of rather multifaceted view of resilience. And mm-hmm. I think it's actually important to define it because I think we have to distinguish between individual resilience, team okay. resilience, and organisational resilience, yes. as well as the psychological and physiological resilience. Mm-hmm. They're not all the same, and some of them are mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have resilient employees, but it doesn't mean that because you've got resilient employees, you've got resilient teams. And mm. having resilient employees and resilient teams doesn't necessarily mean you've got a resilient organisation. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think the challenge with that resilient space is that there are people out there who will talk about how to create a resilient organisation. And you're probably more in the MBA business consultant space as opposed to how do you help people with their individual, personal, and sort of team type resilience yeah. which is in the psychology space? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in all likelihood, organizations need need both. You need to be a yeah. resilient business, but also you want your individual employees to be resilient because as a consequence, this sort of a human energy crisis that we have where, you know, if you think about our total expenditure and um energy bills is about 60 billion a year I and mean, mm-hmm. the cost to industry of mental health is about 60 billion so if we fixed it and um, companies could just pay our energy bills for us and mm-hmm. we could just be more effective in work um so i think that resilience for me is it's a momentary thing it, it's not a it's a series of skills and characteristics of an individual. Mm-hmm. It's a consequence of experience, uh, learned skills, and uh, observed sk- experiences as well. Mm-hmm. And it's about you, a challenge, um, and the skills you can deploy in a moment. Mm-hmm. Because we don't walk around with this. It's like it's like courage. Um, we're not always courageous you know mm. we don't walk around feeling courageous yeah. we don't necessarily walk around always feeling resilient it, it, you know something will happen and you're either resilient or you're not mm. and and i the real irony with this is it's a sort of chicken and egg because you, you don't always know whether you're going to be resilient to a particular adversity or challenge or um scenario and if you're not in that moment and you have a setback mm-hmm. Um, then what you have is the opportunity to recover, whether mm-hmm. that recovery is relatively quick, mm-hmm. which which might then, for some people, say you're resilient because you've recovered quickly, or actually that trauma might require you to recover over months and years. And and so for me personally, I've had some physical resilience challenges. I've broken my leg twice. 
Um, the first time I was in cast for 12 days, I was back playing rugby within three months. Mm -hmm. The second time I was in cast for four months. I, you know, I didn't play rugby for two years. Um, A long time, that, isn't it? That must have been and, difficult for you. And, and so, you know, it, it made me physically, you know, physically I was resilient quicker the, the first time than the second. Mm -hmm. um, and the same with the psychological, you know, the, the, the resilience that we, people generally talk about, the psychological resilience, we we don't know um, how we'll respond to things. Um, and And... And so we have this sort of assumption that everyone's resilient or, or they're not or or we will be in the moment. But mm -hmm. until it happens, until, you know, you're sat in front of somebody and you've got to give them bad news or or they give you bad news mm. or you've got to deliver a presentation in front of an audience you don't know or you're delivering a presentation in front of an audience you do know. Mm. And those experiences can build up and, and create our resilience. Mm -hmm. Um and then there are other factors that can inhibit our resilience. So there are times when perhaps we're not getting the right sleep or our health isn't quite mm. needs to be. And, and that takes the edge off our resilience in certain mm -hmm. environments or um, you're working hard and the children ask you a question and, you know, in that environment, you're resilient to the work and you're fine, but they're not resilient to the question you get asked that disturbs mm. you and, and you snap. Mm. Um, and and actually, if you weren't working so hard and you were sat in the garden relaxing, having a glass of wine, and the kid asked you, the kids ask you a question, it's sort of, yeah, no problem. Mm. So it's those contextual things that um, I think are really important when we think about resilience it is a set of learned skills which is and we were talking about this earlier around holidays it's about finding the time to um relax and reflect and i think the real irony in resilience it's not about being always on mm -hmm. because no one can be always on no there's a breaking point yeah. and i think one of the challenges I have, and, and I talked about it when we were at the event in Manchester, mm -hmm. is I my research was looking at, can you take sporting psychology phenomena like mental toughness and just transfer it into business? And actually you can't. It, it, it doesn't work. There are elements of sporting psychology that really are quite detrimental in business. Mm. And, and one of those actually is resilience. But although resilience is really important in business, as it is in sport, um, in sport, you're always looking to push yourself to breaking point. You know, I was listening to a, a, a TV uh, expose type thing on Netflix last night mm -hmm. about cycling. And one of the cyclists, Walt Van Aert, who's like your, almost your Lionel Messi of cycling, he's a, mm -hmm. a superstar, paid millions every year. And, and, and he talks about the, it, loving and enjoying pushing himself to breaking point. You know, he loves the pain. Mm. But do we really want to employ people who have that mindset? You know, you know it, it, do we want people to burn themselves out? Um, because in sport, that's what you do. You're constantly mm. burning yourself out. You've got a mentality to do that. And, and I grew up as an elite swimmer and, that's what we did, you know, mm. morning and evening. We we literally 
were, you know, getting out of the swimming pool and then going to school and going back to the swimming pool and right. pushing yourself. And and I quite like that. I like training. I like pushing mm. myself. I like trying to cycle yeah. deep hills. And I, I, know I enjoy getting beaten up on a rugby pitch. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but um, what happens it, when, when, I guess, your capacity is limited or when, you know, you do have a setback? And when you, do, it? you know, you, it's frustrating, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I played football last night, you know, I stopped playing rugby, I stopped playing football because it's a bit mm-hmm. softer. Right. Um, when I picked up an injury and I'm like, I mean, I can't play on because I play Mondays and Thursdays mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm 51 now and I need to slow down a bit. Mm-hmm. So I stopped playing competitively, but I do play socially. Yeah. Thinking I can't play on Monday, and I'm like, I know I I, I organize my week around sport. Mm-hmm. I always have done. I organize it around my training because yeah. that's my mindset. But that mindset isn't always the right mindset to have. One, if you're trying to grow a business, and two, um, in, in the work environment, you know, mm-hmm. when when I when I it works out works okay especially when you're working in other people's businesses i mean i was working till one o'clock in the morning last night and mm. i'm up at my desk at seven and, and seven. i just oh wow how do you <laughs> I, I just keep i don't sleep a lot right um but i do need sleep but i do so what i call free sleep so i never set an alarm so right you know, my, okay. body, my body says you need to stay in bed it's because i don't wake up mm. um but it it, that I, I have um, a sort of mindset that just always be on, you know, I'll go on holiday and I'll work. And, and I, but, I, but I find time to uh, reset and rest and, mm-hmm. and sort of mental rest I get when I'm cycling. And, right, okay. You know, physical rest is when I'm sat at the computer in that sort mm-hmm. of sense. So I have that, that balance, but you mm-hmm. do. I'd say the two times in my life when I have burnt out is when I've been studying. Because when you're studying it, 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 when you go through school, your your study time is almost controlled by the school and the homework and mm-hmm. what you've set. And that's conditioning and that's building resilience. Mm. Um, you know, my daughter's doing GCSEs and you know, it, for them it's like really stressful. And I'm thinking, yeah, wait till you get to A-level and then wait mm-hmm. till you get to a degree. Yeah. And when you go on and then wait till you've got to do a doctorate and yeah. write your own thesis. Mm-hmm. And, and there is nobody there who's frankly interested or wants to help. It's mm-hmm. just you. Yeah. And, and and so it becomes super lonely. Mm-hmm. I mean, fulfilling, but it's just different. And so mm. we go through these experiences where we're building our resilience to exams. So at the moment, she's doing one and one and a half hour exams and then mm-hmm. move on to three hour exams. And, 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 and that's what we all go through, that educational process. Mm. Um, but I, when you get to not so much the undergrad, because I probably wasn't of the right mindset at that point and of of pushing myself, but certainly on my MBA and my DBA, you know, I, I you know I pushed myself to burnout right. because you're trying to do things, and and, and partly because I'm a I like the stress of fashion timelines and deadlines. If mm-hmm. you don't meet deadline, I don't do anything. Right. Until you give me a deadline, and then I don't start. I just wait till we get close to the deadline. And then I like the panic and the stress and the pressure of trying to finish on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so is that know, helpful in the long term? When we think about resilience and dealing with um, 
challenges, mm -hmm. setbacks? Not, not always, no. Mm -hmm. um, but then if someone gives me a task to do and the pressure's on, mm -hmm. I, I can do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you do an MBA, it, it, they just load you with more and more stuff. And mm -hmm. part of it is... And, and, and ironically, my brother joined Accenture almost at a similar time as I was doing my MBA. And mm. he got like professionally loaded with work. And, right. you know, th there's no such thing as a nine to five in the consultancy world because everybody mm -hmm. turns up at seven and everybody works yeah. till seven. Mm -hmm. and, and if you turn up at nine, all of the people you work with have been there for two hours. Yeah. And if you go at five, everyone you still there for another two hours. Mm -hmm. So you work 12-hour days, if mm -hmm. not longer. It's just that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And then you go to business school and 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 everyone's got that mindset of you're always on. It's literally mm -hmm. no stop, especially when you're in a, in a full-time program. The exec programs, the part-time programs are different. Mm -hmm. notes, you, the challenges are different. You, yeah. You're managing work as well as study. Mm. Whereas on a full-time one, it's literally you just live and breathe it. Um, but then you've got exams and papers to submit and presentations to mm. deliver. It's just it it just consumes you, mm. and there's no stop. Yeah, you never know when to stop, mm -hmm. and that, that's part of the challenge. And the same with the the doctor. You, um, you know, again, you know, I literally was given if you don't hand it in on this day, that's it. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, and I'm. Got a year's time, I you know. I've got a year. Yeah. And so there are people who I know who are, you know, from a mental toughness or resilience perspective, that they're, they're like, right, I know I can't cope with the pressure at the end. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing it now. Right. Exactly. I'm like, that's just boring. I, I, I just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not interested. It's just a year. So I, I'll wait. And then it'll be like six months. Well, six months is probably, yeah, it's got, I've still got plenty of time. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it, it's finding the right balance of pressure mm -hmm. and time so that you can perform effectively. Mm -hmm. um, what and, role would, would you say that your resilience has had in enabling you to navigate through your academic stu studies and to, I guess, to try and maintain that balance or to find, you know, advert, um, advantage and adversity or keeping, you know, keeping your head um, above the waters, you know, when facing those those challenges or doing, you know, well against the odds and recovering quickly as well? I think the time to reflect and, and recover. And I, I, about five years ago or four, four or five years ago, I... I was probably going for the swim once a week, if that, perhaps mm -hmm. paying a little. I just, I, I, I became physically unhealthy. Not that I'm necessarily the fittest person, but I do cycle about 150 mile a week, play football twice a week. I cycle every day. And I set right. myself on a mantra of train every day. That's, and, that's impressive. And I did do a full year where I, I did, over 365 training sessions. Some days I had to train twice, but I, I think in the, the first year I did it, I missed 10 days, but right. I had 30 double training days. Um and I, I've sort of I don't I don't I don't force myself to train every day. So there are occasions because 
it was getting to the point where I was restricting what I was doing because I wouldn't go places because I knew I needed to train or run. I have a turbo trainer in the garage, so I'm home now. I lift my way, I'll run or mm-hmm. uh, swim. Mm-hmm. And that gives me the opportunity to to reflect on things. Mm. And and I, I said earlier, I went to some meetings this week and some mm-hmm. of the networking meetings. Some of the ones I go to, I, I know some of the content is is not really a, my space. You know, mm-hmm. some of the networking events I go to are nuclear oriented and I'm not yeah. in the nuclear space. Mm-hmm. But it, but it allows me to to sort of rethink. It's that freedom piece for me yeah. is if you're just constantly locked into something, it's like coastal erosion. And I've experienced it professionally where you, you get to a point where you, you, th- you have to look at yourself from the outside and go, you're not in a great place here. Mm. Um, and, and in both of the roles that I've had historically – you get to a point where you think, I, I, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I, I don't I don't really want to be here. Mm. Um, and it's only when you look at yourself from the outside and you think, and, and when people are telling you to behave in a certain way, and, 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 and I'm thinking, and I don't want to be like that. So I wear my on the sleeve and I, you ask me a question, I'll give you the answer. Mm. And in, in one of my previous roles, I was told that I needed to have a, a bit of a game face and, and not show my emotion. And I was mm-hmm. like, so basically you're telling me not to be me. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and that was the point where I was thinking, no, this isn't for me. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to pretend to be somebody else because that's hard work. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. know, you know, you can change your behavior, but it takes a lot of energy. To, to go against your attitudes and your values and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And I um, guess that could potentially hamper your resilience as well if you're not being it, your it authentic self. Yeah. It, effectively, you've got to be resilient. I mean, that behaving in a way that you don't want to behave is a, is resilient. Mm. But it's not positive resilience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's negative resilience. It's saying, okay, I can do this. I can pretend to be somebody else. And we... And we see and we hear people talk about, um, you know, almost pretending. You know, some people are good at pretending. You know, mm. they, they put on a different persona when they're in work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I see people who, in the work environment, are very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they have to do to get through it. And and for me, I'm sort of like, that, that's got to take energy, that. And it does. Mm. You know, people yeah. are saying, we want you to... You know, I tried the post-it notes around my screen saying game face and stuff like that. And I was like, right. Oh gosh. No, I, I'm just going to be me. And if you don't mm. like me, then that's fine. Cause mm. I'll go and work somewhere where the people like me yeah. <laughs> in that yeah. sort of sense. And, and, and you see people start to crumble under the pressure, mm. these types of environments where it's not necessarily overtly oppressive, but, but it is, Mm. Um, you, you know, people either succumb to the culture of the business, mm-hmm. behave, and, and, it, and it, it is completely soul destroying. And it's that resilience that's been destroyed. They're, mm. they, they're using up their energy to maintain a level of behavior that requires that resilience, but it, it burns away. And then you ultimately end up with that burnout because mm-hmm. you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Whereas if you can find an environment that you work in where you enjoy it, you can be you, 
Mm-hmm. You don't have to call on those energy banks of resilience to to do something that isn't you. Yeah, yeah. Use that energy then to to put into what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that's the biggest challenge where we see this resilience challenge in work or burnout is where people are actually trying to do something that they don't really want to do. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, there, there are other aspects in that, you know, mm-hmm. people have yeah. a really strong ability not to say no. Mm. So or to, to say no. So they generally say yes and take yeah. on too much. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to please and things yeah. like that. So and for me, my resilience has developed as a consequence of, you know, in a sense, failing mm. um, or struggling. Mm-hmm. And then working a path through that says, well, in these environments, you're okay. And, and in these environments, you can do it, but it's just going to just going to take energy away from you. Yeah, yeah. And so to me, sounds, that's that. Yeah, it sounds like you've kind of over the years through your experiences that you've developed a resilient mindset. You've been able to, to kind of learn from adversity, setbacks or perceived failure. And then also what, what I noticed from what you've shared is that you're very self-aware. So you you ensure that you have time with yourself to reflect in order to inform your decision-making and make decisions that are going to be advantageous to you and all of that helps to build your resilience. And that's really critical. And that's the the first part of the the Rivers to Resilience cycle, which is that awareness. Because if you're not aware, if you don't know what's going on or how you're responding to stresses or environmental changes then you're not going to know how to act and respond um accordingly but it sounds like you've been on a yeah a significant journey of resilience throughout your life and kind of shifting careers as well and all of that's potentially contributed towards your resilience yeah i mean to your your seven rivers when when i you know looked at it previously and and you and you look at it in terms of that emotional awareness mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and empathy. I was fortunate in my first career, I went into the sales environment. And so in sales, you in field base, you spend quite a lot of time on your own. You know, mm. you get used to your own company. You get, yeah. you get, you what well, probably the best piece of advice that I was given when I went into sales was that, you know, a broken clock can be right twice a day. So mm-hmm. anyone can walk into a room and there's somebody who wants to buy what you've got and mm-hmm. you're not necessarily any good at selling. They just mm-hmm. want to buy it. Yeah. Um, and so probably the best piece of advice was it, it's great making a sale, but work out how and why so you can repeat it. You've mm-hmm. got to understand where success comes from. Mm-hmm. And so I did spend a lot of time reflecting um, and, and I do, and I, and, and, and working and traveling as I, I've done historically, you you have that travel time, mm-hmm. especially just on trains. You know, sometimes it's not so great to get lost in your thoughts when you're driving a car at you know 70 miles an hour. Definitely not. <laughs> um, but we do we do zone out, you know, we, mm. we go into uh, sort of states of flow and automatically mm-hmm. you, know, you can drive for two hours and think, actually, I don't really remember much of that journey, especially on motorways. And mm-hmm. but you finding your time to reflect mine is when i'm on my bike you know i right okay you know i'll ride or or at a conference ironically you know or sat in a coffee shop Mm -hmm. because you in a sense it focuses you to zone out Mm -hmm. things yeah Um, 
And so that emotional awareness, um, you know, your your area of cognitive training, you know, for me, that's really important. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, as opposed to it's almost build, put the barriers up and sit behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think managing stress and being comfortable with stress um, is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and, but we but, can't get away from stress, can we? No. I mean, when we think about this world, the, 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 the changes in the workplace, COVID, cost of living crisis. It, it develops us. Stress, stress is something that you know we we need. Um, Schwartz and Lur wrote their corporate athlete paper in two thousand and one, and it was quite ahead of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what they say is, you know, don't avoid stress. It's not about avoiding mm-hmm. it, embracing it, but finding the time to re- relax and reflect. Mm-hmm. And and that's the challenge in the corporate world. You know, when I've worked in the corporate environment, I used to describe my office as a sort of clinic mm. because I would sit down and from seven till nine, it was okay. I'd get my work done. Yeah. Um, and then from nine o'clock through to five, it was just a constant trail of people or constant series of meetings mm-hmm. where you, you go from one to another. I mean, my brother works um, in quite a senior role at Lloyd's Banking Group and mm. you know, from eight o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night, he has an EA and a PA and his diary is full. And, and at eight in the morning till nine, just thinking sorry, about that. Sorry, till six, or eight till about six, his diary is full. But then he may have evening meetings and dinners and lunch, and you know, so it's just full on. When where do you find that time to reflect? Um, and and you know, I've experienced it and and it's it, it's hard. you and, and what worked really well for me was that because I worked away. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the pressures in the evening of the family life. Yeah, I could make some phone calls and video mm. calls, blah, blah, blah. But I had some time to reflect. I could exercise because I was away. I didn't have to do the parenting thing, mm. which puts pressure on my wife. Um, I had that travel time on trains to sit and think about things. Mm-hmm. But but when you're in you know, the four days I'm there and, and in the office, it, it is just monotonous. And mm. so you think about people who go from – that in and then home life and kids and when you see people in that sort of I was talking to an MD of a business just before and mm-hmm. he's got a one-year-old and a six-year-old mm-hmm. he goes from one chaotic high pressure environment to another mm. and, and backwards and forwards and, and and actually finding that time for you is really important and that's your physical health fitness and exercise piece. Yeah. Because we're not we're not brains on sticks, you know. Our body feeds the the brain and mm-hmm. its energy. Yeah. Um. And and so we need to then also find that time to ensure that we're getting sleep. Mm. We've got positive relationships that we're mm-hmm. in, because again, those relationships and that support infrastructure is really important. And mm-hmm. getting back to your social connectedness and spirituality. Mm. It, you know, yeah. I've got a a very broad range of friends with consequence of my career and history. And mm-hmm. but my, my closest friends are the people I play rugby with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, there's, there's a camaraderie, a, a connectedness that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, back to the your cognitive training, that concept of a growth mindset. Um, th- there are those people who hunker down. 
you know, tend to have a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I'm not critical of of people who do hunker down. And there are times when people hunker down and then people have t- moments and, and periods of growth. Yeah. I think having the, the both, being constantly on growth mindset, I don't think is necessarily always good either. It's that yeah. dark side of resilience. Mm. You can be over-resilient, yeah. you know, it's getting that middle, finding the middle ground, isn't it? And, and Absolutely. It, it's, it's situation a, specific, being, you've got to be adaptable. And that is part of, of, of resilience, adapting and adjusting to the situation and, and knowing your, knowing your limits as well. And sometimes, not sometimes, all of the time, if you are self-aware and you know yourself and you're, you've kind of set that time aside to personally develop, you will know your limits and, and your boundaries, but the challenge can be trying to enforce them consistently. Absolutely. And I think that's where the competitive mindset and mountaineering is probably the best example I can give in this space is that, mm-hmm. that what, what you have there is a psychological and physiological resilience tested to its max. Mm. And you get to 8,000 meters and you go into the death zone on Everest, and and you watch this in the movie, and it's mm. a true life Everest the movie, and mm-hmm. there are other um, documentaries exactly the same where people your your physiological resilience is gone. You are going to die if you stay there. Mm. The only thing that's going to save you is your mental resilience, mm-hmm. and some people lose their mental resilience mm-hmm. and carry on. Um, when they shouldn't and they should come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where in the movie, you know, they their emotions get the better of the main characters. They continue because they want to support somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, they and, you know, I read an article when I was doing my mental toughness research looking at a mountaineer that had got to the top of K2 almost mm-hmm. three times and turn back within 100 feet because he knew that he wasn't going to get back down. And Mm -hmm. success for him was about getting to the bottom. But other mountaineers, success is about getting to the top. And invariably, they're the ones that die because success is about getting back down, not just getting to the top. Mm -hmm. That that moral compass that you talk about around self-affirmations in your seven rivers is – it's about, yes, having a moral compass and protecting people and helping people and doing the right things, but it's also about doing it the same for yourself. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, and, and and that's where I think that inverted U-type view of resilience is. It's great to build it, but it's also got to be in control. Mm. Um, and so back to things like team resilience and organisations, having really resilient employees if you don't, if they're not all at the same level, you, you've got to manage that. Mm. You know, it's like having hyperactive, quite active children, and those that aren't, it's, you know, if you don't do lots of things, the hyperactive sort of child's like, well, I want to do lots of things. And then the other child's saying, well, hey, you know, chill out. I just want to relax. And, yeah. and, and you've got that, those types of things to manage in a business mm-hmm. where if you're trying to push everybody and, and again, even nowadays, people are like, well, perhaps should you be pushing people in work? Well, you know, mm. how do we develop and how do we, there's almost a, 
there's a right level of push and development mm -hmm. folks. You know, how do you get people to study and revise and educate themselves? And how do you do the same thing in the workplace? And and then some people do want to do that. And some people are quite happy to say, no, I've got a fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. I want to stay doing the job I'm yeah. doing for other people to be promoted. So mm. um, developing resilience is um, almost needs to have a sort of health warning on it itself. Mm -hmm. You're both yourselves as how do I develop mine or when you're developing other people's and you're helping organisations mm -hmm. build theirs, it's, you know, be careful of what you wish for when you when you build these resilient people. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there's a responsibility there. Mm -hmm. um, both from their perspective and, and from yours. Mm, yeah. I know there's, um, I can't remember what, what article it was, but research that I was reading in the past was highlighting that, you know, organisations that are more resilient, that, they're, that, you know, they're more successful, they were more able to kind of navigate through, through COVID, through change as well, and those who, you know, had contingency plans. Absolutely in place you know that helped with their strategy productivity performance and I just wonder what your thoughts are around that based upon your you know your background in terms of mental toughness coaching but also you know you've been a leader you still are a leader a manager and you shared it at the beginning you know about the importance of differentiating between that personal resilience physical resilience business resilience psychological resilience I just wonder what what are your thoughts on that before we kind of round things up? Yeah. Yeah, I think as you move through from the individual into team to organization, as you, as you, you know, our we have our own individual processes. Mm -hmm. um, and so essentially they're um they're all psychological. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are physical elements like going running and exercise and those sort of aspects and relationships, but as you move through into team, then it then it's about that sort of the empathy type thing, as you described it, that awareness, mm. the emotional intelligence isn't just about understanding your emotion. It's about, you know, the key bit is really empathy, which is about understanding other people's. Mm -hmm. And it's about the relationships and the interactions of people. And again, we're going from complex phenomena into even more complex phenomena. Mm -hmm. But then when you get to the point of organizational resilience, yes, there's an element of our are people resilient? Can they cope with working from home, for example? And how do we build those things? But there are less complex, more inanimate type things like, do we have computers? Are we able to share data? There, there are elements of organizational resilience which are much simpler to um, implement and, mm -hmm. and develop. But ultimately, th those things um, are easily replicated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having extra computers, moving everybody to laptops as opposed to desktops, mm -hmm. having the opportunity to hybrid work. What, what makes organizations different, they, what makes them unique are their people. Yeah. Everything else can be copied. Mm -hmm. And so, actually, you can copy organizational resilience. You can go on a program, a course, and and, and sort of learn the right things to do. And mm -hmm. it's not really rocket science. Mm -hmm. But as you sort of then think about people and teams and managing and leading and the complexities of that environment and, and then resilience, what it mm -hmm. means in that space around the psychology and the physiology, then, you know, th that 
takes a lot of effort and time mm-hmm. because the, the you know the contexts um, that you've got to demonstrate resilience within, as well as controlling and ensuring that you move in almost at the pace of the least resilient person, not the most mm-hmm. resilient person. Otherwise, just going to burn and break everybody. Um, but also be mindful that certain people will potentially burn themselves out as a consequence of things that aren't necessarily within your remit, such as their personal life and, you know, the fact that they're not exercising or they're not Mm. sleeping, they may have a young child, they may have, you know, personal issues to deal with. And so, you know, what goes on between our ears is is really the biggest battle Mm -hmm. um, in business is, and, and, and actually having resilient employees is, is, is good, but it, it's got to be within control. It's got mm-hmm. to be sensible. Um, mm-hmm. Just training them and pushing them and, you know, you're not turning them into sort of universal soldiers. So you've got mm-hmm. this super elite business, mm-hmm. super elite people. Um, because if you did that, you know, the, ultimately burn out anyway yeah, yeah. Um, or they go somewhere else mm-hmm. um, yeah um so I, I think that understanding if you want to build a resilient organization is it about building resilient people in your organization mm-hmm. or is it building a resilient business around you know i work for a charity and it's about well how much do we have in reserve and mm. we're doing these scenarios you have a risk matrix but we don't have a risk matrix for people although we should do that psychosocial analysis mm-hmm. yeah. and actually if we did hold up that risk matrix to our employees and said okay these are the potential risks of lee at 51 is diabetes um cancer heart attack stroke mm-hmm. that the risks for me aren't um uh being poached by another business that's going to offer him a you know, a, a step up the ladder. Mm. Um, there, there is that sort of risk, but it's perhaps less of a risk to the organisation as it might be for uh, other businesses. Or, or again, it might not be a, a significant risk, but, you know, the, what I talk about is with companies is moments of distraction that create moments of disruption mm. to reduce the productivity and the ultimate um, value of the business. Mm. So what are the moments of disruption and distraction that are a consequence of me as an individual when I'm 20? Well, you know, it's the social aspect. So how productive am I may on a Monday morning having had a big weekend on the, mm. uh, the beer, for, for example? The fact that perhaps I'm really just not that committed to the company and I'll just move jobs whenever, but you're going to invest mm. a lot of money in training me and developing me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it you know, I'm going to probably get married. That's that's a big distraction. I'm probably yes. going to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, not all marriages work. I might have a divorce. Mm. Um, so all of these things are, are there that are going to test my resilience. That mm-hmm. Actually, I might sit in front of my computer very happily or I might drive my car and do all of these things. But all of these things are in play, but we very rarely put that risk matrix up against individuals and say, Mm. what are the key risks against this person? Because really, those are the things, those risks that we might be defending ourselves against Mm -hmm. are actually not risks anymore. They're real issues. Mm -hmm. And I'm using my resilience energy to, um, you know, and if I've been through a divorce already, the next time round is sort of like, well, I know what's coming this time. Mm-hmm. So actually it's less of an impact on me 
in the yeah. work. So, you know, I went out and, you know, big bender and I know what I need to do on a Monday morning. Mm. So I'll schedule my Monday morning meetings and all. You yeah. Know. Um, it, it's, it's, it's holding that risk register mm -hmm. and that risk matrix to individual yeah. people and saying, where do those potential risks become issues and what's mm. the impact on the person's yeah. performance, productivity, uh, their resilience, mm -hmm. um, you know, in my world, their mental toughness. Yeah. Um, and, and, and actually, to be fair, you use words like resilience, mental toughness, emotional intelligence. There is, you know, there's a blurring of the edges and all yeah. that. Yeah, it's no, really about, you know, your, your psychological capability and mm -hmm. um, to, to perform either as a, a person or as an employee and mm -hmm. the employee's a subset. Yeah, yeah. Of the person. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think from a business perspective, you know, if mental health is costing us around two mil, uh, sorry, £2,000 an employee per year, you know, it doesn't take you long to do the maths in a reasonably sized business to realise that just mental health alone is costing your business quite a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, more than likely, if one in four people have got a mental health issue, the, the biggest challenge is you, we never know which one is the one in four. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the, having more resilient people has an, an upside. Mm -hmm. It's just oh, definitely. Yes, yeah. The upside doesn't ultimately become a, a downside. Mm -hmm. um, but it, for me, it's the future of work. It's the, you know, we fixed, you know, I'm a several Lean Six Sigma background. We, we spend a lot of time on processes, mm -hmm. but they're simple. And you've got to put people ahead of process. I mean, the, the yeah. successful businesses are the ones that put people before process. Yeah, because the people, they're delivering the, the, the services and you've got to keep them engaged to ensure that their performance is, is optimal, haven't you? Um, I, I, absolutely. I mean, you yeah. please carry your brand in their hands. Yes. And yeah. when you're running an organisation and you're the chief exec or you're the C-suite, you're not really out meeting customers. Mm. Time. You know, you just don't have that bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. You, you entrust the reputation of your mm. business to yeah. to people that you don't really, ironically, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And and this is where you know entrepreneurs quite often are very draconian in their approach and uh, very hands on because the business is their baby. Yes. Oh yeah. Definitely. And we, we wouldn't ordinarily just let our children go off with random strangers. Mm. But ironically, in the workplace, we we let our brands and our business value be managed by, you know, a large cohort of random strangers. Mm, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. hope mm -hmm. uh, will will perform and operate in a way that we want them to. Yeah, yeah. So um, we have come. We are come. We have yeah, come sorry, to yeah. the end of um of the podcast. It's been fantastic. Lots of um insights around personal resilience um you know team resilience organizational resilience has been fantastic that you've been shared so much insights around your journey but before we end what i'd just like you to to just have a th quick think about is what is one thing that you would like to to tell your, your younger self uh, that's really interesting question mm -hmm. and actually the answer is nothing oh, i would you're the first one that said that out of I'm... all of our guests no, see, because if I went back and I told myself something, I wouldn't be who I am now. Right. And I, the guy I was talking to just recently, uh, I've been working with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mentioned I was doing this podcast. So, yeah. I was, you know, here's the question. 
and, and he smiled and, and I said to him, and he said to me, you know, my answer is someone asked me this last week, Lee, and he's quite a hyperactive guy. Yeah. And he said, um, nothing. He said, I wouldn't go back and say anything. And I was like, that's what I said. Right? No, because, that's really interesting. Because if I did, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be as resilient or the character and the personality. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a slight, to me, it's like sliding doors, the movie. Mm-hmm. And we have these moments. Mm-hmm. And have I got things right all the time? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, would I go back and go choose a different degree? Yeah, but then I, I would have ended up either doing medicine, which I should have done originally, mm-hmm. but then I would be in a different, I wouldn't have met my wife, I wouldn't have had my children, I wouldn't mm-hmm. live where I live, I wouldn't be who I am, I'd be someone mm-hmm. different. And I don't want to be anyone, you know, quite yeah. be on who I am. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't go back and I wouldn't tell myself anything. Yeah. I, Interesting, I would, yeah. I would sit there and cringe. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it it depends, everyone's journey is so different and yeah. unique and that will determine whether you would, yeah, what you would want to tell your younger self. So no, I, thank I, I, you I, so I, much. I'd say nothing. Yeah, okay, no, thank you for that. And on that note, we'll bring it to a close, but it's been fantastic having you on today's episode of Rivers to Resilience. And let us know, let the guests know how they can stay, in, how they can connect with you online. Uh, LinkedIn's probably the easiest. Yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter at culpability, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, Dr. Lee Williams on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the easiest way to connect. And I, I, I do some blogs and some articles. Yep. Okay, um, fantastic. But, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today. But then, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you in the past when we've met. So, uh, yes, no, thank I'm not you. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for your time and, and for sharing all of your insights. No problem. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Rivers to Resilience. To keep up to date, connect with us online at www.rafatherapyservices.com and on all social media platforms. It's your time to be revived, restored and refocused.